Welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you got an extra buck or two lying around and would like to be a patron of this podcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy thought of the day is by Phil Lynott. I have a thirst so great it casts its own shadow. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 78. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you this week on a stormy evening here in St. Paul, Minnesota. While I survived the annual Boys Weekend Brewers home opener trip, the Brewers lost, but a huge shout out to Neil and the folks at the Drunken Uncle in West Allis, Wisconsin for the funnest, most electric, affordable, best WrestleMania party I've ever been to. Hope to catch another pay-per-view there again soon. Speaking of pro wrestling, just got back from Bar Luchador in Dinkytown, a pro wrestling-themed Mexican bar and grill, and probably my new favorite bar in the Twin Cities. I even bought a hat and everything. Congrats to my Wonder Golden Copper for reaching one year as a therapy dog. Working with special needs kids with canine-inspired change has been a life-changing opportunity, and I encourage you to check us out at canineinspiredchange.org for more info and how you can help keep the program growing. Last week's Geeks Wrap-Up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. It was interesting listening to manager Vinny's secrets on how to deal with liquor reps when they're fighting for tap lines. Thursday, Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked out at Lucky's 13 in Burnsville, Minnesota. I started having Johnson jam on some of the 90s country tunes I've been playing lately, and it did not go very well. Friday, I played a solo show at Ingredients in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Got a message from longtime listener and buddy John saying he wants to try the Shrimp Diablo because I mention it often on the podcast after I play at Ingredients. Well, John, get your butt up to a show in White Bear, homie, and get you some. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson and myself rambled on up to Breezy Point, Minnesota to rock out at JJ's Pub. Thanks to P. Fitz and Jackie for taking us on the bar stool open in Cross Lake. Drank a minnow shot with Pat, which apparently became the thing to do at our show later when P. Fitty showed up with a bag of minnows for the patrons. To quote Arlo Guthrie, I'm not proud. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, April 12th, 2017, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 8 to 10 p.m. Thursday, April 13th. 
Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking out at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota from 5 to 7 p.m. Friday, April 14th, I'll be playing a solo show at Nova in Hudson, Wisconsin from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Saturday, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking out at Vanelli's by the Lake in Forest Lake, Minnesota from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Guest this week. It's part three of three with the John Lennon of the National Beatles tribute band Rubber Soul, Mike McDonough. We discuss remembering the passing of John Lennon, Central Park Stories, and Mike and I jam on some Beatles tunes. Enjoy the conversation. Go ahead, Mike. Standing in the docks of Southampton Trying to get from Holland to France The man in the mic said You gotta go back He said it didn't even give us a chance Christ, you know it ain't easy You know a honey can be mine The way things are going They're gonna crucify me To Paris on the moon and down by the scene. Peter Brown calls, say, You can make it okay. You can't get married near Gibraltar and Spain. Christ, you know it ain't easy. It's not easy, Mark, is it? You know how hard it can be. It's so hard. The way things are going, like on a crucify me. Well, Paris down the Amsterdam Hilton. Talking in a bit for a week And his neighbor said Say what you doing I said they're only trying to get us some peace Christ you know it ain't easy Sing it babe You know how it can be man Yeah The way things are going They're gonna crucify me Hey Saving up your money for a rainy day Giving all your clothes to charity Last night the wife said Oh boy, when you're dead You won't take nothing with you But your soul, think Made a lightning trip to Vienna Eating chocolate cake in the back The man from the press said She's gone to his head Dad, you'll just like to goose and drag Christ, you know it ain't easy Oh, you know how hard it can be It's so hard, Mark, it's so hard The way things are going Play some harmonica for me I caught an early plane back to London 58 coins tied in the sack The men from the press said We wish you success It's good to have the both of you back Christ, you know it ain't easy It's not easy it hard it can be, man The way things are going They're gonna crucify me All the way things are going They're gonna crucify me Oh, Yoko, don't crucify me, honey Oh, we 
listen to this Mr. guy. Mr. Mike McDonough yeah. doing the ballad of John and Yoko here. That was a ton of fun, my friend. Sorry, folks. Thank you very little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we figured we'd kick off that that episode to do the story behind the song segment first there. Um, I, I've always loved that song. It's a great song, yeah. That's a lot of lyrics to memorize. I've always had a trouble keep, keeping them all together. Oh my god, yeah. You gotta have a it's like you say any song you played for a hundred times over, you you'll never forget it. It's like riding a bike. But... <laughs> oh, I am the walrus. There's one that's got lyrics to it. That's a good one too. Uh, I like to make it my own once in a bit, but <laughs> Yeah. So we're here still at Mike's house in beautiful Afton, Minnesota. For part three. Uh we're just kind of still here BSing. Yeah, Mike give me a modello. Man, Ooh. this is good stuff, man. It's very good Mexican beer if you like. Mexican beer then. <laughs> so how did you get down the John Lennon lingo? Oh, just from movies and tapes and CDs and interviews and watching the movies mostly. He's a he's a he's a crap load of fun to listen to, you know. And your voice is yeah, you gotta learn how to do a little scouse. You know what scouse is, Mark? Huh. Scouse is uh kinda like when the homeboys have the their Rap, how do, you, how do you call that lingo when it, you know, they're doing the rap? Uh, oh, there's a, the, the name the kids have for it, you know, it's their kind of language, you know. Anyway, anyway, back in, in Liverpool, they had their own kind of language that was, a, um, it was a black and Irish and English accent they called Scouse, which was a slang. And uh, everything, everything is really fast and talking and rolls along and it, and it all ends up like a question. There's no, you know, every, Every sentence ends on the up. So that's what, that's what Scouse is. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, um, Mike, you kind of have an accent anyway. How do you, where do, what is your accent? Well, my, mine's more of an, I'm an Irishman by trade, by, by born uh, blood. Dad was a, a family from County Cork, County Down, uh, Ireland. And uh, actually we had a castle on the West Coast that's, now it's a pile of bricks, but they were smart enough to build a bar next to it, so it's all good. But uh, the biggest pub, there's a, there's a shot for you. The biggest pub in Dublin is McDonough's. That's my last name, McDonough. Are you kidding so, me? No, no, no. That's, that's uh, totally true, true. I think that's how I landed the job at Rubber Souls, because I, I did an accent better than I did the singing even, so. Wow, <laughs> but uh, it's part of its accent, and part of it is actually me. You know, anybody you talk to goes, "Do you always have to talk like that?" And my wife, I, yeah, I have to talk like that. And well, now I got her talking like that. Now, oh too, so. no! You either join me or, or, or piss off. You know, Go piss off. <laughs> um, is McDonough's located? If I went to Ireland, the first thing I would want to see is that statue of Phil Lynott. Phil Lynott from Lynott. Uh, Thin Lizzy, yeah. Is that by McDonough's? That's in Dublin, yeah. Okay. I believe it is. Um, so this is part three here with Mike. Thanks for jamming. That was a ton of fun, man. That was good. Um, so you're an Irishman by trade. Uh, you said you started off in a bunch of different... So you were playing in like rock and roll bands before you, you picked up on Rubber Soul, right? Oh, I was real heavy. I was a rebel, you know? I was a rebel. Um, 
kicking the music, everybody wanted to, you know, get the chicks with the big hair and the mini skirts and everything, you know. So yeah. I was in a band uh, back in the 80s, 85 to 89 called Challenger. And a lot of good friends that I still love dearly. And uh, we were a full-time band. We cut our teeth on shows and, uh, um, you know, we, we wanted to go to L.A. and be that MTV band like everybody did back then. But uh, uh, I was like... 1989 all of a sudden these guys from Seattle came over with with like uh you know the the flannel shirts and all that and we're going oh well I guess we're done <laughs> yeah that wasn't my gimmick either <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened to us so I I you know it kind of fizzled out and uh floundered from a few cover bands but um uh, my singing has always been my strong point anyway but uh, I'm a I'm a, always labeled as a a singer that plays guitar, or a drummer that plays guitar, or a bass player that plays guitar. I've, I've done a lot of different instruments in bands uh, previously, but Rubber Soul has been the longest-running thing, I think. Oh, my God, it's got great history to it, and thanks to Brian McGuire. He's been phenomenal for all that. Yeah. When you and I were singing at uh, Danny's, I, th- I was like, your ah. voice sounded like... Oh, you got to come and see Mark at Danny sometime. <laughs> no, that's, that's no, the most outstanding it was, uh, you were—I thought you sounded like the guy from Bad Company. So you know one of the guys oh. from Bad Company. Oh um, no, I'm, well, a, from, I'm a bad finger. That was bad finger. Yeah, you know Joey Mullen. Well, you met Wade Watson. Yeah, um, he from used to be. Way, what's it? The Way Back When band. Wade and the Way Back Ones. He's phenomenal. He's one of my best friends. He's a cool dude, man. He's my doppelganger. He really is. Him and I, uh, when, when I had the longer hair and the beard, him and I, he'd wear my pepper outfit to Halloween parties, and he'd say, ah, I'm him. I'm being him for Halloween. <laughs> He's the most lovable guy. But he knows Joey Mullen and Dougie and that family very well. And Dougie, uh, Joey's the last living member of Badfinger. And um, he's seen us many times. We've warmed him up at warmed him up at uh, Famous Dave's for George Harrison birthdays and all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, Joey's a good friend of ours. He's he's given us accolades and he's given us uh, promotions and um, their whole family. Uh, God bless Dougie. Um, had a run with diabetes and had had to have have a foot amputated. And my wife was privileged enough to be at the hospital that he needed help with and. So now they've really got a good friendship between them. He was at the Medina Ballroom to see us, and uh, it's bounced around. It's, it's becoming a nice, tight-knit family of, and thanks to the Beatles, it's, it's brought all these people, beautiful people together. So That's awesome. So you were telling me before that you guys, uh, upcoming stuff, you're playing, you're going to New York to play a show? In, we, is it, uh, what's that at? Uh, um, well, Central got, Park, wasn't right. it? Well, no, no, it's... Um, um, don't 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 get the lawyers on us. Uh, <laughs> no, we uh, we have a we have a thing on the table and it's it's still being worked out, but it sounds like it's going real well. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, it's uh, it's Manhattan uh, downtown, lower downtown, the One World Trade Center. There, it sounds like they're organizing a concert in September. They've got a date and everything. They're just working out the details, I believe. But they want us to do a concert on the atrium of the One World Trade Center on a Sunday. In September, and I, th- I think that would be like the on the bucket list for all of us in that band to play Manhattan and 
for Roger, maybe Roger Anderson, we could get him to invite Yoko down there or uh, or uh, Sean Lennon or somebody to kind wow. of represent his dad in, in the spirit of the Beatles. Because, uh, that, uh, yeah, that that's we're really sitting on that, hoping that that all comes through. Do you personally remember when John Lennon passed? Oh, God, good question. That's like, Mark, do you remember when JFK was killed? No, you're too young for that. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I don't remember the John Lennon one either. <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing, though. It's uh, it's one of those things. What's a, let me throw one back at you, and then we'll get back to that. What sure. was What's the most uh, influential tragedy, you know, uh, national tragedy in your lifetime, your generation that's ever hit you? Maybe Definitely 9-11 without 9/11. question. Okay. That's, that's, that's now when you think of that. You think of when when I thought of when John John Lennon was shot down. I was at the Dakota. I've been to New York uh, a number of times, and I went to the Dakota where he was dead. Where he, I was on the spot where he was shot dead. It's right at the gates of the Dakota, and uh, the feeling there uh, for me to actually go there was scary, scary, um, shaky, scary. felt a felt a vibe like I, I've got pictures. I've got a lot of pictures of me standing around the the gates and um, just on a day that was blustery and cold and had a feeling. I had a feeling that he's still there. I don't think he ever left. I think I really think his spirit is still mucking around New York City. Yet we went to Hell's Kitchen and all these haunts that he had and uh, Strawberry Fields in Central Park. A huge tribute there. People leave all kinds of trash on top of his little. Imagine Memorial there. I'm sure many people have gone to that, but uh, uh, just just that is it's an amazing thing. Um, went to Dallas when I was younger, and wanted to see where John Kennedy was shot. You know, and that's going to Dealey Plaza. It was it was almost like the same feeling. Uh, Kennedy's ghost is still traveling back and forth up and down Dealey Plaza. That's where he ended his life. And when you go there, it's like, have you ever been to New York at uh, the? Yes. Yeah, to the the pools now they have. Yeah. Yep, my New York John uh, John Lennon story is that I was with there with some friends and and uh, we're in Central Park at the Imagine the Imagine Memorial. Right. And there's stuff on there, and like I said, is huge John Lennon fan. Mark, whatever, just kind of soaking it all in. I agree, it did have that kind of feeling that that uh, he was there, or whatever. And this famous actor dressed in all white. It was Ed Burns. I'll drop the name right now. The really? actor Ed Burns. Who are you married? Me? No, I mean, you know, I was engaged once a couple of years ago, but uh, didn't pan out. What happened? Nothing really. I just came home early one night to find her and some guy passed out on my living room floor. Both of them completely naked. Walked, just, we're all sitting there, and he walked over, right over the top of the whole thing. And I guess that's a huge no-no is to walk on that. So we are all going to... Drop kicking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Ed Burns. Kind of really, looking like who's it's this now? You know, it's like oh god, if you may get out of here. <laughs> well, if anybody knows Mark out there, he lifts cars for a living besides radio and <laughs> yeah, TV and right. singing. You know, he's like the Incredible Hulk of Beatle fans. Yeah, right. No, uh, that's that's sacred place for. Uh, yeah, um, that's an acre that Yoko, the city, she purchased from the city, and and uh, that's her part of Central Park that nobody will ever own. But it's a, it's a she owns that. Yeah, she does. She owns an acre that she bought from the city for like a million dollars, and that's that's so unusual for the city to give anybody property in Central Park. It's so sanctioned 
But there's a sign there that says Yoko Ono purchased this acre for John Lennon. That's a funny story. I got a, I got one for you that when the last time I was there, uh, somebody threw an Imagine album down, a picture and flowers and everything. I was, then I heard a, a guy, it looked like a homeless guy, sitting over on a bench close to there playing John Lennon songs, you know, and he was, he was pretty good, you know. And the wife goes, why don't you go over there and sing a song with him? You know, I said, you know, so I threw 10 bucks in his guitar thing, and I, he says, what do you want to hear? I said, in my life. So he started singing, and I started singing along. He stopped. He goes, he says, I thought I was singing this one. <laughs> I just went, oh, sorry, I, I, I stepped on his toes on that, and I just kind of went, oh, okay, keep going. I guess I really sounded bad singing it or something. I don't know. Or, or I either, either sounded that or too much too good for him (laughs) that was his gig i stepped on his toes i was totally embarrassed at that but anyway moving on people (laughs) so let's see playing john lennon that's a good name of a song right there. You know, playing John Lennon. Playing John Lennon. Yeah. It's a good name for your autobiography. <laughs> God, yeah. Yeah, well. Not a bad idea. Not a bad Everybody idea. Buddy Wade can write it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so what's some highlights in John Lennon's life or career that impress you or some things that he did um, that you learned from John Lennon? Oh, it's just his. Um... I was like this. Like he said, he still like even when he got out of his. I don't know if you want to call it hippie phase, but his you know when he was being difficult, he was a rebel. And then they asked him about that in 1980 before he passed away. And he goes, "I still believe in positive thinking and all." I see one of the biggest things I took out of John Lennon is that he always believed in like thinking positively and thinking good stuff and yeah. and. Um, Plus, you're just a true rock and roller, man. Right. And, and he would be notorious for saying the glass is always half full. You know, his whole life has been a judgment of that. And uh, he took on the U.S. customs. He took on President Nixon. He took on so many people to stay in New York. And it was kind of sad that that was his downfall, you know. But uh, for him to stay positive through his whole life, I do believe if he would have lived... He would have came back with the Beatles. I think they really would have did something amazing. And I think they would have all grown old together, uh, with the exception of George and his cancer. I think they would have grown old to be amazing like Paul is now. Paul is, you know, he's in a, he's the man in a bubble now. You know, he, he's just, he's in finna- uh, just phenomenal shape, and he's a great singer, and he's doing stuff all over, and people are coming out of the wood. You know, they have been coming out of the woodwork for since wings and everything, but Paul never stopped. John started to be more of a humanitarian than a songwriter, and Paul never stopped being a showman. He was always into that. But uh, I think they would have got back together if he would have lived, and uh, I don't think he'd be with Yoko anymore. <laughs> she was, she's, I heard stories he of her. He traded her in, huh? Yeah, yeah he would have <laughs> traded her in for some hottie from the south of France where he lived part-time, and nice. she would have been... Living at the Dakota, banging the the, the maintenance guy or something, you know. That was, that was you hear stories, you know. So 
I love you too, Yoko. Oh, my God. This isn't going to New York, is it? When I was in college, we had all these different bands and stuff, and almost every single one of them was broken up because one of the members met some girl and took off or whatever. And we would call her the Yoko Ono of, you know, with a band, my bunch of bands, the one was called uh, Upstart Crow, the Yoko Ono of Upstart Crow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, isn't it like legendary that bands use that? That's oh yeah! Oh my God, yeah! It's just a pure saying. Yeah, even even the movie Spinal Tap. Think about Spinal Tap. You know, the the one blonde haired guitar player brings his girlfriend in, and she starts makes drawings of the zodiac and all that. You should do this, and they're well. Next thing you know, you know he's, the band starts forming different things. That she was a total Yoko there. Nice. So, um, what would you say to kind of wrap things up here? Oh, first of all, okay. Talking John Lennon, is it true that his type? So we're having a more a model. You're having some kind of coffee. Oh, I've got Bailey's here. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> didn't but it's didn't John Lennon? I remember seeing a clip of him saying, "I was on his long weekend." Remember he took the week a few years in the middle of his thirties. Yeah, I think went called to for LA, a while. year and a half in L.A. And yeah. he goes, and I was out there with my friends <laughs> Elton John and and. Uh, Who's the songwriter here? Such good buds with oh, um, uh, Harry, Harry Nielsen. Harry Nielsen, and he's like, and then we were drinking Brandy Alexander's. That's brandy and milk, there, kids. <laughs> yeah. Is that what uh, a Brandy Alexander is? Is brandy and milk? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's atrocious. Yeah. Yeah, I'm lactose. I couldn't handle those. Oh man. Yeah. You ever tried one just to get in the mood or no? No, no, I don't. I, no, I, I did. I thought about it, but I never went there. I guess. But uh, yeah, he was not—he was a wicked man down there. He's hooked up with uh, Yoko. Hooked him up with May Pang, who uh, uh, was her secretary. Sent him down there, and um, I just got a book put out by her with photographs on that whole thing. It was really interesting to see how happy it was with her, and then decided to sober up one day and went back to New York. And I think that was all mostly all business driven that he got back with Yoko. Really? I think he, I think he wanted to. You know, he wanted to have a baby and he wanted to have his life back and all that. And he got all that partying out in one year. Yeah, they what is it? The they they had a the whole top floor of a hotel in L.A. The Roosevelt, I believe it was, and uh, party for years. Elton John dressed like drag queens and Ringo was there and and. Nielsen and uh, so many party Alice Cooper, man. I mean, people that you wouldn't think were just starting out in their careers partying with John Lennon at, at you know, and crazy stuff. He was up and down the boardwalk getting in fights. He he got into a fight at a Smothers Brothers comedy show and they threw him out of there. He, I, I don't think he got arrested, but they, that was a pretty famous picture of that all going on. One story I've heard that just kind of frightens me but makes me realize just how self-destructive they all were during that period for some reason, is when uh, I believe John Lennon was in the studio with Harry Nielsen, and they were tracking a song for Harry or whatever, and they were drinking or something, and then so they had a screaming war. So like John would scream, and Harry would scream, and the microphone singing this song. And they kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. And then by the end of the thing, Harry said there was just blood all over the microphone oh, from his throat. God. And that was the end of his singing career. It was oh, done. It, oh. That one night ruined his whole career. And so he really never sung 
after it again. It's all done, though. I, that's that's just good, them man. two going back and forth, drunk at a, at a in a studio. <laughs> that just scares me, you know. Yeah, like somebody has to have pictures of that somewhere. Yeah. I know, but that's that's just one of those things. Like, Dad, those guys were very self destructive, and that's that's a shame. I mean, he's saying I think after that, but it just never was the same. I think it really wrecked his throat. Yeah, I th- I think I think as Lennon got older, the the drug oriented sixty seven sixty eight. You know the pot and the LSD and all that. It was it was very influential on their songwriting. It was very creative. You know, opened up their mind, their inhibitions dropped. You wrote everything about anything, and everyone played any kind of instrument you could hand them. And I think when he tried to uh, go that way again, I think he realized that you know the drinking and the drugs and all that. It was more. It was just destructive. Now it was. There wasn't the other three guys around to, to be his mates anymore. It was him and the world, just swallow. L A swallowed him up, I believe, in their drugs and alcohol. And he just he 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 would have he could have died doing all that. Instead, he sucked himself out of that and went back to New York and sobered up. Huh. That was pretty good. All right, on a lighter note, to wrap this pop. Anyway, yeah, how's John Lennon was kind of the king of the baby. Then he was kind of the king of the one-liners. He was kind of a funny fellow. What's one of your favorite John Lennon sayings? Hmm. You gonna drink that? No, (laughs) no. uh, Oh Lord, so many. (laughs) I know a ton of George ones. It's like you know, we all George one instead. Yeah, it's just like you know, that eventuality, you know. You know, he's watching the. He's in a. He's in a room. George is in a room in a hard day's night, and they're talking about this girl and a star, and and uh, uh, they're looking for a teenage boy star. And George, you know, that's not really us, you know. And he, he goes, "Don't you know who this is? This girl on the TV." He goes, "We watch her all the time. We we turn the sound down and say rude things about her." <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's a pretty good one that runs around the band all the time. But uh, the Ringo laugh, ah, you know, it's a. Anybody see anybody? Ringo's drumsticks. Ah, so we got a lot of running stuff. We do so much at it. Mr. Mike McDonough, thank you so much for being in the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. It's been a blast. Thank you for letting me into your home and talking about Rubber Soul. How do people get more information about the band Rubber Soul? Oh, you can go to rubbersoulthetribute.com and uh, look us up. And there's a, a going on 14 year history on that. That you can see all our old concerts and new ones coming up. We got a lot going on this year. We'll be at the uh, tribute Fest in Duluth, hopefully Manhattan and New York, and you'll you look us up and come and see our website. We got T-shirts and memorabilia, and and come and take pictures with us. We love people, you know. Never enough of you. The young kids love them. Nice, Mike. Should we do one more song to wrap wrap up the show? Oh, can we then? You want to do one? What, which one you want to do? Anything. Uh, okay. Um. Oh, Norwegian Woods, easy. Yeah. I once had a girl, or should I say, she once had me. She showed me her room, isn't it good, a Norwegian wood. She asked me to stay, and she told me to sit anywhere. around and I noticed there wasn't a chair I sat on the rug biding my time drinking her wine we talked until two and then she said hi it's time for bed Freddy 
give me some harmonica I got him on the swamp She told me she worked in the morning Started to laugh Told her I didn't and went off to sleep in the bath. And when I awoke, I was alone. The whispers flown. So I lit a fire. Isn't it good? Norwegian wood. Harmonica. Thank you, America. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. You and those who shine.